0: Hi, and welcome to Match Cut, the movie podcast where we take two movies with the exact same rating on IMDb and break that tie. My name is Aaron. I'm here with my friend and co-host, Matt. Hello. Hi. So before we get started, if you want to reach us, you can hit us up at matchcutpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at matchcut. if you've got ideas for an episode or movies we should check out. But now, on this most holy of high holidays, 420... We turn our attention, as the nation does, to weed. From the moral panics of reefer madness to movies like *Cheech and Chong's Up in Smoke*, weed has been both vilified and celebrated. Now, with more and more states legalizing the devil's lettuce, such as Virginia, most recently, uh, could we be seeing another type of portrayal in the future? Because here is the thing: like, I I think that weed is like. What am I trying to say? Weed has a lot of good applications. Like you hear it working well for like people with epilepsy or seizures. Uh, I think most recently the girl who is responsible for the naming of Charlotte's Web, the high CBD strain uh, passed away due to COVID-19, Oof. you know, but it can have some positive applications. I know it made like life livable for her. So as we see kind of these more of these stories and as legalization like grows in acceptance, you know, are we, are we in the third wave of weed movies?
1: (laughs) Um, it it feels like I was actually thinking this, uh, on my rewatch that it's been a long time since we had a movie focused on weed or like a stoner comedy movie in the movie theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, I'm honestly struggling to think of anything that wasn't just a bad comedy movie that maybe you saw when you were stoned.
0: Yeah. Um, pineapple express but i mean that was like years ago
1: that was years ago <laughs> and i would still that was around the time of like harold and kumar escape from guantanamo bay um, yeah
0: that was a uh, 2008
1: yeah so it was a while like i mean pineapple express is a fun movie <clears throat> mm-hmm. um but really I, I think that that craze is kind of gone with its normalization like Now, I I guess The Gentleman is a weed movie, but it's not a comedy at all. It's like treating weed is very serious business (laughs) and showing a a much more uh, serious side of like, no, these these guys are drug dealers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And in an area that's not legal, uh, the UK, I believe. Right. I, I haven't seen The Gentleman yet, but you didn't. I
1: thought you did.
0: No, I've got it. I've got it in the queue, but haven't, haven't watched it yet.
1: It's a, it's a solid flick. Um, but that's like, uh, that's, that's like tonally like a closer to a lair cake than it is to a stoner comedy. You know, mm-hmm. honestly, like I, I, I really shudder to think and, and struggle to think of something that is a, a stoner comedy as of late. Um, I really do think kind of what you're saying is it's past and, anymore if we're going to have weed it's just so normal that we're just going to see it as a thing in the movie
0: right it's just no. going to be like oh here's a character in a movie who also happens to smoke weed it'll be like you know
1: like i don't know an yeah alcoholic
0: or a, a smoker
1: i don't think we're going to get the 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 represent the portrayal that we've had in the past of you know all the rastafarian stuff and all that because it's like it's so legal and so normalized I mean, like you can, I can go down a few blocks to a a very nice store, Mm -hmm. and get weed right now. Yeah, Uh, you know, as as we are recording uh, in in the quarantine as part of the COVID nineteen, weed in multiple states that have it is considered an essential business. Yeah, and like I (laughs) going back to your point, like there there are many people that use it to make their lives bearable in terms of chronic pain or ailments that they, they struggle with or just social anxiety that that goes with it. Like there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of health benefits and just, you know, day in day out benefits. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of people that they're just smoking a whole crap ton of weed during this, because (laughs) what the hell else are you going to do?
0: Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. Like it has, it has those positive qualities, but it can also just be a recreational drug for some people. So, yeah.
1: But like, you know, going to the earliest portrayals of weed that, you know, obviously the big one is reefer madness where like they Mm -hmm. looked at it, like it was worse than, you know, heroin and cocaine and all that. It's like, that's not true. You know, you start obviously in the seventies, everyone was smoking it, but it was still legal. It's just like, you know, don't make a big deal of it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I really don't feel like it's until the nineties that people start creating an identity around it necessarily. Like, yeah. Cheech and Chong, like that was still the stereotype for so long.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But anymore, it's just like, you knew that kid in high school that was like super obsessed with weed and you're like, yeah, that's cool, man. And now like, if they're still like that, it's just like, do something else with your life. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um yeah, in looking at that in looking at this list that Google spat up as far as like Stoner movies, it's like tag, I guess, that movie from 2018 they that's, list as a as a weed movie, but I cannot think of
1: So, I I highly doubt that cuz that's actually a story from where I live. That mm-hmm. tag game, um the school they went to was a Catholic prep school. Not to say that yeah. they, they couldn't smoke or, you know, anything like that. But, like, I know people that know their parents and what and whatnot. So, like, that whole, that just doesn't, that doesn't jive, basically.
0: Yeah. And then uh, Gringo, the, uh, I think it was on Amazon.
1: Yeah, again, I think the, the central point needs to be weed as a, a central plot device, not something you watch when you're high.
0: Mm-hmm yeah i'm I'm curious I'm curious I mean I guess now like the I kind of expect a wave of movies like in response to the coronavirus, I guess at least a couple like you know the same way we saw movies coming out after 9 eleven or you know after the death of Osama bin Laden. it's like kind of one of those events where I expect, that to kind of be a minor trend, but I I don't I don't see weed coming back in the same way. It you know once movies start getting made again,
1: yeah, I I think it it is definitely you know it is it is postmodernist weed anymore. <laughs> like it'll it, like I said, it'll be a facet of something, and like if it's a a, a movie that is set you know as a, a biopic or a historic movie that it'll it'll feature, but anything that's contemporaneous will if it's even part of the narrative will treat it as just such a non-issue. because I mean, it's been oh, pretty you know, normalized in California for so long that it doesn't really matter. You
0: know what movie we last saw weed in? was uh Knives Out. There was weed in that movie. And it was in the, so in the Secret it, yeah, Stash Spot.
1: It was but again, like that wasn't like a stoner movie either and it yeah. was treated as just, like, a non-issue. Like, no one really cared that they had a secret stash. Right. Although, I... Yeah. Where, where was that movie set again?
0: It was, in, uh, it was in the East Coast, I think, like, Massachusetts or something.
1: I mean, they would probably solve a problem with it because they got to stick up their ass, but...
0: <laughs> Massachusetts hasn't legalized it?
1: I think they just recently did, but, like... There's that perception that like, you remember back in the day when Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon movie film for theaters was coming out mm-hmm. and they had the guerrilla marketing and that like there was those light brights that were found in multiple cities of Lur and Ur, the Knights. Right. And um, they were the only ones that treated it like a bomb and counter detonated it and then took the people <laughs> to court for no, like no discernible reason other than they had no chill.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, lead lead is weagle in uh massachusetts in case you're wondering
1: yeah i mean (laughs) there 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 you go kind of (laughs) like even in a state that you know has rigidly no sense of humor about that stuff (laughs) it's legal
0: yeah so for this episode though we're returning to the golden age of of pot in movies i think
1: early (laughs) 2000s yeah yeah, I, guess, I I definitely would say that that's a, uh, that it was more, it was more uh, hidden and more like a little subversive to, to future marijuana so prevalently. Yeah.
0: So this episode's matchup is about the true value of good friends, the places weed will take us. So pick a cool name for your car, dump your work off on the junior account and let's burn this mother down, Pookie. It's time for Harold and Kumar go to white castle versus super troopers. So what was everyone's experience with these movies before we watched them for the podcast?
1: Uh, I definitely think I saw super troopers on HBO, like in 2003, 2004, uh, Harold and Kumar. I saw on DVD a few months after it came to DVD.
0: Mm-hmm. I think a pretty similar place for me. Um, I watched these movies. I mean, especially super troopers a lot in high school had it on DVD. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of like the movie we'd sit down and watch when I went to my friend Alex's house. So (laughs) it was a big part of my childhood. Harold and Kumar, I've I've seen a little less, but you know, still seen it a lot. It came out at the right time for me, even, even before
1: I had tried weed. I think it's uh, interesting about these. I think the, the zoomers and you know late millennials or whatever they it's just because it's so normalized kind of going back to the discussion like there's not a point to make a movie like this that'll appeal to the the late teenager yeah so it's kind of like
0: you don't you don't really see a movie celebrating alcohol because it's it's not like this forbidden fruit anymore it's mostly about like here's this character what's his personality he's an alcoholic
1: yeah alcohol actually probably has a more negative portrayal anymore than weed does mhm i mean for uh, i think fair reasons you know <laughs> far more people die of alcohol and there's far worse things related to alcohol than marijuana so right
0: um so besides being linked by their imdb scores these movies are also separated by 2 degrees of separation Jay Sandra Shakar, Sandra Shaker, said?
1: Sandra Shakar sounds right.
0: Sandra Shakar was in the movie Dukes of Hazard with Sean William Scott. And then uh, Sean William Scott was in American Reunion with John Cho. There
1: you
0: go. You remember those American Pie movies?
1: Uh, I never saw those. That would actually go into stoner comedies, I feel.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like alcohol was the bigger one in that in those movies. Probably. From what I remember, but you know it's 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 of that ilk um both movies are rated a pretty good 7.1 on imdb but one of them must be better than the other let's find out uh right after this break come on back we'll be be here with harold and kumar go to white castle All right. Welcome back. Our first movie is Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, a 2004 movie written by John Hurwitz and Hayden Schlossberg and directed by Danny Leiner, starring John Cho, Cal Penn and the incomparable Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) Writer duo Hurwitz and Schlossberg are best known for this movie, several other Harold and Kumar shorts and the sequel, as well as Cobra Kai. Director Danny Leiner is best known for this movie, Dude Wears My Car and directing one or two episodes of well-known TV series such as The Gilmore Girls, The Office, The Sopranos, and Arrested Development.
1: That's why this movie is so familiar in, like, pacing to Dude Where's My Car? <laughs> he made Dude Where, Where's My Car.
0: He's, he's the Dude of Dude Where's My Car fame. <laughs> On a very stoned Friday evening, roommate, roommates Harold and Kumar see an ad for White Castle, and they're filled with a great and singular purpose, to get those tiny burgers. So it begins an odyssey to rival Homer's as the intrepid duo set out to satisfy
1: their cravings. <laughs> ah, yes. When I watch this movie, I think <laughs> I am truly seeing a Greek tragedy play out.
0: <laughs> I mean, it is. It's the first place they go, White Castle's not even there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, you know what I like about this movie? What's that? There is more going on to it than just the, the Stoner comedy. Mm-hmm. It has a very intelligent albeit comedic uh view on race relations in america (laughs) yeah like that is what makes this movie enjoyable to go back to because there are those moments where it's like very clearly making social commentary on racial profiling and racial discrimination in america You know, you have uh, an older, you know, middle-aged black man who's in jail for being nothing, you know, doing nothing wrong but being black on a Friday night.
0: Right. Um, Like, literally, yeah.
1: Like, (laughs) the, and I think it's only more pertinent as we've gone further along to, like, realize, like, oh, shit, that's super real. Yeah, this is a comedy that's making fun of, like, how ridiculous it is, but it actually happens, you Mm -hmm. know? like get out makes sense because we're we're we understand that that is more of the black experience in america now than you know a harold and kumar like right it's part of the cultural zeitgeist that that is just the way people of different races are treated and like the constant um uh racial remarks at uh Kumar's character played by uh, Cal Penn who went to work mm-hmm. for the White House
0: <laughs> yeah
1: under the Obama administration um, it's uh it's just interesting to see like you know this with a humorous slant portrayed kind of very seriously it's like this is messed up we're making fun of it but it's still messed up
0: yeah it's definitely I I think like, going into this movie, I had not seen it in a while. I had not seen it in years, but you know, my, my assumption for this was kind of like, okay, I'm going to go back into it. It's going to be a little aged, you know, in the way that all early 2000 stuff kind of is now, uh-huh. you know, and there's still like a couple jokes, like calling your friend a vagina, McGianstein and yeah, that's describing, describing Kate Holmes breasts as the opposite of the Holocaust.
1: Yeah. There, there was definitely <laughs> some things where, um, as a, as a juxtaposition, while they, sometimes they, they are poking fun at the stereotypes. They really heavily lean into some of them. Like, uh, mm-hmm. like it does commit a, a classic thing that like, just because a stereotype is positive, doesn't mean it's not detrimental. Like the fact right. that, you know, Kalpen's Kumar Patel character is an actual good doctor, but like the reason he wanted to be a stoner is because he was tired of being just pigeonholed as the Indian doctor. But then Mm. at the end, he decides I'm going to be the Indian doctor because it's what I'm good at. Yeah. Like, I guess there's a sense of like almost a fourth wave feminism (laughs) slant of uh, as long as you do it for your reasons and feel empowered by it. It's, uh, it's not detrimental, but uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough to say.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of the humor, like besides that, you know, one or two examples here and there. It's, like, generally pretty good. I mean, there's some gross-out humor, but a lot of it is, like, poking fun at the situation rather than poking fun at an individual or making, you know, a singular person the butt of the joke.
1: I think more- uh, Harold gets a bit more guff from Kumar than Harold gives to Kumar. Um, mm mm-hmm. That's what I. That's something I did really enjoy about this movie. Is that friendship did feel real. Like you got the sense that obviously they met in college and have been friends since, and the going to the job market and whatnot, and you know, young adulthood, first steps into that. That, Mm -hmm. yeah, I can understand why they're friends. Like, yes, you all have that friend that like you know that is a lot like Kumar, where life is kind of easy for them and they just kind of skate through and you are a little more studious um i really like harold's arc throughout this because it feels very real we've all felt those moments where we get in an elevator and there's this there's this person that we're really attracted to and we just wish we worked up the courage to talk to them yeah and that felt so real like the wish fulfillment of thinking i'm gonna say like oh all the cool things and you know oh it'll it'll be so great and then realizing (laughs) Oh, right. I didn't even hit the button. I'm just standing here awkwardly.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All those, all those scenarios you play out in your head in the shower and then it comes down to it. And like, uh, yeah, that's not just like the simulations.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, um, we have all feel those feelings of impotence in our daily lives or we wish we had at least as a normal person where we wish we had the, the backbone to stand up to the, the, the mild bully at work who is, you know, making you do more work or, uh, you know, had the, the wherewithal to speak out against, you know, terrible assholes that, you know, exist in day to day life and just be like, Hey buddy, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, which is why there's that great payoff at the end where, (laughs) uh, you know, Harold goes up to the, the two people at work that foisted all their work on, on him and he just tears them apart saying, what the fuck? Oh, you're going to you're going to you're going to tell on me for not doing the your work and the, who I always do your work. Oh, yeah, that'll go real well with the boss. So it's like, oh, so you're not doing any work and this person is doing all the work. Right. So it's like actually calling it like having the the wherewithal to be like, no, this is how the, the situation actually is. Fuck y'all. I'm going to do my work. <laughs> you can go screw off.
0: Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a positive movie, like for a lot of it. And, uh, I, th- I think the ending, you know, to skip ahead right to the end, but, uh, i felt good finishing this movie. Like everyone kind of gets their just desserts, you know, Yeah, the, the- brutality was solved in 2004, as we all know. And
1: yes. <laughs> hmm
0: uh, those post-credit scenes are are real good.
1: Um, I like. The, I, I do like the feeling that is that is Harold and Kumar like getting ready to you know pack their bags and and go to Amsterdam to meet Maria. Um, I
0: I assume that's where Harold and Kumar two starts. Although yes, obviously with it, it, the rest of the title being go to Guantanamo Bay. I'm assuming they don't reach Amsterdam. That's right. Yeah.
1: Like to kind of sidetrack into what that that sequel does, it just it goes way heavy into the stereotypes and it tries to pretend it's smarter than a lot of it and it's it's trying too hard. The easy progression would have been something like road trip to Euro trip. Just have them getting to Europe, getting sidetracked in Europe. But they decided to take a more political stance and make it more about the American Foreign policy situation. Like I'm not joking. Like,
0: yeah, because you've seen it and I haven't.
1: Is, right. is the situation. Kalpen's Kumar gets called a terrorist on the plane because of racial stereotyping by an old white lady. That she's him in a turban and like making like like in her mind like I'm going to bomb the plane like in that kind mm-hmm. of voice. And so they tackle him and he gets sent to Gitmo as an enemy combatant and. You know, it it's more irreverent, but it doesn't have the heart that this one did. That this one did. It feels like the writer got big for their britches from getting some credit for the handling of racial stereotyping and um, and stereotypes in general in the first one, and decided to go all in with that,
0: right?
1: And it just it, it embraced a lot more of the lowbrow humor, which is was is the. The thing I like the least about this, <laughs> you know, there, there's great scenes and funny scenes, but I don't need to see two girls having the taco shits. <laughs> and, like, that's just, like, that is just totally out there. Like, we don't need that. Yeah. That, that
0: struck me as, like, an Austin Powers kind of like,
1: yeah, that was like a
0: gross out scene. Yeah.
1: And, you know, that holds up a lot less is because it's so, scatological humor has never been something I have enjoyed. Even when I was mm-hmm. younger, I never found it funny. And so as I get older and older and watch these things and, you know, it's so intelligent in one direction and it has such funny characterization, like of Neil Patrick Harris as this crazy, like drugged up, like sex crazed, hyper hetero. And this, <laughs> this first one was made before he came out, I believe.
0: I think so, yeah. Uh,
1: and so it's funny to see this, like, oh, wholesome childhood actor that hasn't really done much, being portrayed as this <laughs> insane version of himself. Um, yeah. Which they embrace in the later ones, like, and they and, and Escape from Guantanamo Bay goes crazier with it, where like they they visit a a little whorehouse in Texas run by Dolly Parton, of course. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> where he like has been blacklisted because he branded a hooker before and he does it again with, like, an iron brand. (laughs) It it just goes crazy. And apparently the third one goes even crazier with it where it's, like, a meta commentary, like, you're gay, right? I'm only gay for TV or something like that. And, like, (laughs) is still the hyper hetero, like... I enjoy the the indulgence that Helen Kumar's ostensibly real world version of Neil Patrick Harris is a paste and a a mask that he wears just to get people to like him more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because this was kind of like the second coming of Neil Patrick Harris, basically. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this was definitely. When did How I Met Your Mother start? Because that was the thing that turned him back into a household name.
0: Uh, let's see. He had Doctor Horrible Sing Along blog in two thousand eight.
1: So that was a few was, years you know, after this.
0: Cult, cult favorite. Um, How I Met Your Mother was two thousand five. It started.
1: Oh, so this was like a year before How I Met Your Mother.
0: Yeah. Let me. Was he in it from the beginning? I yeah. Like
1: Barney was in it from the beginning. Yeah.
0: Yep.
1: Um. I wonder if he got that role because of this, like playing this kind of mm. hyper macho, like debonair no. character. <laughs> um, I
0: mean, cause it's, it's, there's echoes of it in his how I met your mother character and like his playboy persona.
1: Yeah. One thing that this movie, I will give it a, a knock uh, against is women are treated as objects of lust for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, going back into the, just because you're the, the stereotype is positive doesn't mean it's not detrimental Maria's character is just an object of desire and is indulging in a lot of those, you know, mi amor, mi corazón, like fantasies. Like, yes, that's a fantasy, but still, like, her as an individual is never addressed. You don't know what she does for a living. They do, I believe, expand on that in the second one, that she's a model. And that's why mm-hmm. she's going to Amsterdam is to model. Um, but that's not addressed or even mentioned at all. She's just an object of lust. Um, the two British girls are objects of lust and the lust is turned off when they have bodily functions that everyone has. Um, the, the Asian females are treated as objects of lust again. So while it has, you know, some social commentary in it, it still engages in a lot of very base and crass uh interpretations of relationships
0: yeah it's it's not (laughs) it's not great in that regard um and
1: and like you feel it feels like like kind of south park's problem sometimes if they get too serious with their commentary too much like they would get a lot more scrutiny so oh here's some tits you know um, with but like the implication of that is women are only objects of desire like it's a really funny scene with um freak shows wife <laughs> where you know he's like you know do whatever you want uh, as God would do you know worship fuck my wife I'm <laughs> like you're like wait what and then even Harold and Kumara, like did he just say we could fuck his wife
0: <laughs> right
1: Um, so
0: yeah um, going back to one of your earlier points I think I think again one of the places where this movie like gets it right is Harold and Kumar's
1: relationship mm-hmm.
0: Because, like, this movie really feels like, it's like, okay, Harold and Kumar are, you know, real people who would exist and probably wrote this movie together because John Cho and Cal Penn, like, have, I think, a real natural chemistry with each other where yeah. where their relationship becomes very believable. Like, you know, and, and they have a, a good, rewarding relationship where, you know, it's like, hey, when Cal Penn, like, or when Kumar realizes that like harold is truly upset you know after the gas station thing when his laptop broke it's like all right hey you know there's a payphone across the street like we'll just go call a cab like
1: yeah uh it, you definitely get the sense that you could honestly make a cut of this movie that gets rid of the more ridiculous stuff and just has <laughs> like those interactions and it's like oh i've had that night
0: yeah you mean you would get rid of of Burgerland and riding on a cheetah? And
1: <laughs> I'm not saying I would get rid of that because that would make it a better film. I'm saying that there is a version of this film in there that is more grounded in reality, that yeah. exists, and I think is extremely relatable. Like I was going back to with you know Harold's impotence in his you know um, exerting his own self in his workplace and in his. Uh, you know, his relationship with, with uh, Kumar, like that's very real where, and also Kumar's relationship with his dad, like, I don't want to be that thing that you've, you know, forced me to be because just because I'm good at it. I want to be Mm -hmm. it because it's what I want to do. Like, you know, people, you know, sons trying to get out of their father's shadows and like, that's real. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think that's where, like those moments is what keeps bringing this movie back. Like it may lose you with one of its scatological humor bits, but it brings it back with a more relatable bit like that, That definitely like waiting for the, the, the crosswalk to change. And it's like, there's nothing there. And like, you just know the second you try to do something wrong <laughs> is when you'll get bust. It's like, I never do things wrong. And this is what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely been there. Not, actually getting pulled over for jaywalking but i've had th- i've had those feelings sitting at a red light that wouldn't change like do i run it do i stay here i've tried moving back and forth over the sensor nothing's working like but yeah i i identify a lot with uh, harold in this movie
1: i definitely think that this movie is more of harold's movie than it is kumar's movie um i mean it is called harold and kumar go to white castle Uh, Mm -hmm. and the movie starts with Harold's daily life. Uh, He has the greater character development and character arc throughout it. Yeah. It definitely is told more from his perspective, which is more grounded in real life than Kumar's perspective, which is more scatological and messed (laughs) up. Um, And
0: yeah, and it it's when I first like went back to this movie, I was kind of like trying to v- piece together, like, what is this movie again? And, and like, my first thought was, okay, it's like an SNL style movie where it's like, hey, here's some, here's a bunch of sketches we thought were good with a mm-hmm. loose connecting plot thread. And it's, it's more than that. Yeah. You know, they set up stuff, bring it back later in the movie. Like you said, you know, Harold's arc is really good, Kumar's, you know, is, is there.
1: Yeah, they both at the end of this movie, they have both gone through an experience that has changed them for the better. And they you can you watch this and like, that's, I think, what's so disappointing, like not in this movie's case, but in the sequel is that it just it, it is so much more of the same. It's they like t- they
0: took the wrong lessons from it.
1: Yeah. Like, uh, again, I think uh, I brought it up earlier, but going to like a Euro trip where it's like, we're going to do a similar movie as the sequel, but it's going to be their misadventures in Europe and like the stereotypes of Europe that we're going to take down. Like, you know, that would have been, mm-hmm. I think a better film to do rather than pointing the, the satire cannon again at American race relations. Not that it's not necessary, but it's like, you already did that. And now you're just doing it again. Um, yeah. One of the a bit that I actually thought was in this movie that 's in the the sequel that I really enjoyed was her and Kumar as they 're making their way um through America to get somewhere to do something i can 't remember what it was um, <laughs> sure, sure, to clear their names and get get pardons for escaping from Guantanamo bay that 's where it goes with it. Um, mm-hmm. Their car breaks down in like a, an urban neighborhood in Atlanta. And there's a lot of black guys that are they're looking kind of quote unquote thuggish and like playing rap and all that and like the and like Harold and Kumar are both playing into the stereotype that like oh they they're gonna you know beat us up and mug us and all that and it's like because they they hit a a fire extinguisher with their car or a fire hydrant with their car and break the uh, the the boombox that was playing and. No, it turns out they were gonna help them fix their tire, and the the guy who looks the most thuggish, he's actually a dentist, and they're like, they're gonna be all helpful and give them directions and all that, but because <laughs> they assumed the worst about them, they they didn't get a more positive interaction. Right. But I definitely think that both head and Kamar go to White Castle and Super Troopers are a collection of skits with a plot thread to string it along Um, the thing that works in harold and kumars is because it's so grounded as yeah i've wanted to get that one type of food and had to go to five (laughs) different places to get it um as well as those feelings of inadequacy in your daily life or not wanting to live up to a stereotype that may be positive in a greater sense but it's still limiting in a personal sense Um, Also, as an aside, having actually eaten White Castle, eating 30 White Castle burgers (laughs) is hard. I had (laughs) 10, and I barely finished that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't have White Castle until probably 2010-ish, I want to say, 2011. No, it would have been after that. It would have been... 2013 i was in indiana and i finally saw a white castle i, I gotta i gotta try having, it
1: um grown up Ca- in
0: california all my life
1: i think there there was at the time one on the west coast that is probably since closed
0: Hmm. there's there's just no replacement for those small juicy burgers with onions like flavor crystals
1: There are no white castles in California. Okay. So apparently they were operated as like separate entities that were just using the name and branding.
0: Gotcha. They still sell them in the freezer section, but
1: they do. That's actually where the majority of white castles business is, is from those (laughs) freezer takeaways. Um, However, having real white castles, there is no substitute for it. It's just having that bread as fresh is better. Yeah. Um, And you think, oh, 30, like the the patties are so small and all that. It's like, yeah, but you're not accounting for how much effing bread there is. (laughs) That bread fills you up quick.
0: Yeah. They each get, yeah, it's what, 30, 30 burgers, five fries and four Cokes.
1: Which I don't get why they got so many Cokes.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, the whole movie just kind of breaks down for me at that point. Yeah, really, that's the off. least
1: believable thing about the whole movie. Not riding a cheetah after getting it high, not uh, hang gliding with no training uh, and being able to land and not die. That is the least believable thing. Not extreme kayaking. <laughs> um, Got anything else to say about this film? Uh, I think i'm pretty much good i love the the appearance of some you know stand-up comedians that you might have seen or whatever like jamie kennedy's weird awkward white <laughs> businessman in the middle of the woods yeah um uh what is uh, that uh, actor's name that was on uh, svu oh uh
0: christopher maloney
1: christopher maloney freak show freak show uh that's one of my favorite treats about Christopher Meloni as an actor. He had this extremely serious role on SVU where he's like this very driven cop to to punish sexual predators. <laughs> but honestly, yeah. you can tell he really enjoys these comedic roles more. He was on Wet Hot American Summer. He was in this movie. He's in Happy, which you've seen and say yeah. it has not gotten enough praise or recognition.
0: Yeah. Underappreciated. It's, it's a fun ride. And then, yeah, I mean, he's also played like also very serious characters. Like he's always like a, you know, commanding officer in the military or like.
1: Yeah. Oh, he was in a man of steel as the, like a Colonel or something like that. Wasn't he?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is, and it's funny is like (laughs) none of these, none of these roles ever like break character for him. I've never been like, Oh, I can't believe that. So good on him for, you know, doing his stuff
0: yeah and i'll i'll say finally uh good on this soundtrack for preserving my love of hip-hop through the early 2000s
1: right on all right well uh join us after the break we'll 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 talk about the 2002 movie super troopers Troopers is a 2002 movie written and, by the group known as Broken Lizard and directed by Jay Shaker, starring the Broken Lizard crew Jay Shaker, Kevin Hefferman, Steve Lem, Paul Sto- Stoder, Soder, Soder, there you go, and Eric Strolhansky. Broken Lizard is a writing group best known for Super Troopers and its sequel, Beer Fest, and Club Dread. Sandra Shaker got his start with the Broken Lizard movies, but his varied TV directing career for shows such as Arrested Development, Psych, Warehouse 13, and The Goldbergs. You know what's worse than being a Vermont state trooper? Being a bored of Vermont state trooper. Even worse is when your very slow stretch of highway get, is getting its few violators poached by the local cops. To make matters worse, the state is going through budget cuts and your station is on the chopping block. It'll take a whole lot of policing and a modicum of maturity for our heroes to keep their station open and stop the recent influx of drug traffic in their small town.
0: <laughs> I love the opening of this movie. Everything up until the like opening title, Golden. Mother
1: of God.
0: <laughs> Not that the rest of it isn't good, but I've watched this opening more than I've watched the movie.
1: <laughs> it, it It is a great bit of surreal comedy that I think the problem with their other movies is they don't deliver on that because it's Mm -hmm. it's just so totally perfect and like well executed that i don't know it's just so great and i i think this movie has been harmed by how quotable it is because (laughs) the movie is so quotable that if you were growing up at the time that this movie came out you and your friends quoted the hell out of the opening scene Every scene after that, basically, Uh, you're a sick bastard, Ramathon. (laughs) Yeah, I've
0: said Desperation's a stinky cologne, John, more times than I care to
1: cop to. And definitely Littering And. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The schnozberries taste like schnozberries.
0: Yeah, but I mean, hey, you made a good comedy in the early 2000s, that's what you got. Like, you know, Anchorman was quoted to death, like... Mm
1: -hmm. You know, I think that's the problem with like super troopers and an anchor man is the, they are such a lightning in the bottle kind of thing of hitting that right tone at the right time. And you have to be the right age to kind of see it. Mm -hmm. I'm not to say that, you know, older people can't enjoy super troopers. I actually think that super troopers is more enjoyable than Heldon Kumar on a moment to moment watch because it doesn't devolve into scatological humor
0: yeah it um it definitely has a a larger importance i think placed on its plot because it's not just a throwaway like harold and kumar go to white castle is the plot it's like yeah you know let's talk about police and police corruption and it's not like a serious hard look at the you know depravity of police corruption but you know there's an overarching story more than harold and kumar and and you know it's still got its collection of skits in there like i wouldn't be surprised if this intro was like the first bit they came up with and then they're like hey we got something here you know
1: yeah it it wouldn't surprise me but again it sounds like i want i think the reason it probably feels like bit to bit and each actor gets a different part is probably because this was written together in a group writing writer's room kind of thing or mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that works, okay. And then, uh, what do you what do you got? What do you got? Oh, how about a uh, uh, rabbit is washing the car because he's the new guy. But Farva comes in giving him shit, and Rabbit just doesn't care. Right. And then Farva. Man, Farva is hella unlikable.
0: <laughs> yeah, they've they've really got that person who like that that person in the social group who do, hasn't quite like calmed down to the humor of like the rest of the group and is still trying to figure it out. I know I was that person like at work with Mm -hmm. the kind of social group I hung out with. Like it took me a little while to like break away from my high school humor, which was super troopers and (laughs) kind of like mellow down into like, okay, here's what our, our group's humor is about. And I think Farva, you know, especially with his misunderstanding of what a good prank is, is
1: yeah, not
0: (laughs) struggling to find that
1: well the thing about like all the characters in this is, is they feel actually kind of like people that could exist you know like mm-hmm. the best parts of harold and kumar are harold and kumar being real people the best parts in super troopers are like uh Ramathon and his girlfriend's partner actually kind of
0: you mean discount heather graham <laughs>
1: <laughs> ramathorn and his partner who he has a kid with which is super like relatable to a lot of people is like you got a kid that you're you know with a partner that you care about but you're not married and you're not going to like put a label on it kind of thing but mm-hmm. want to share your lives um they're in an open relationship and talking about well if this if this place closes like we're gonna have to you know move somewhere i don't want to move you know i don't think it's good for the mm-hmm. kid like that feels real like none of the things ever feel like crazy arguments
0: yeah and it's and it's not like and it's not blown up into that crazy argument just for the sake of like you know having that scene where everyone gets to yell at each other it's just like yeah yeah you know we'll figure this out like Mm -hmm. it's it's a very real look at that i
1: think um there's um I think, you know, we could easily devolve this into talking about our favorite bits, obviously. I mean, I definitely (laughs) enjoy the scene where they pull over the Porsche and they're basically (laughs) trying to sexually bribe the cops to let them off. But like the timing is just off. Like any other time I'd I'd jump in there and show you how to swing, but not right now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, if we could just talk about our favorite bits for a moment. Sure. Uh that's well first the syrup chugging is gross. <laughs> like,
1: I just I wonder did like there's definitely a behind the scenes thing where they talk about that. Did they actually chug real syrup?
0: Some of it is real syrup. Those close up shots, they used like thickened um iced tea for some of it, and like you can tell in some of the far shots, especially when um, it's a
1: little too viscous.
0: Yeah, especially when Thorn is you know drinking his like the bubbles are going up through it too fast. Mm-hmm. But those close up shots, that's them actually chugging syrup.
1: Yeah, I definitely like. <laughs> I uh, I I sympathize with Rabbit's expression after he finishes it. we like, ah, I ah. Just can't <laughs> taste anything but maple syrup.
0: <laughs> yeah it's disgusting um my uh my favorite bit though is still the uh the soap in the uh coffee <laughs> just in farvid just not getting it far. and the and the captain uh just being like fine i'm i'm gonna end it right here
1: fight <laughs> it make him look uh, like an asshole <laughs> <laughs> yeah um <laughs> just yeah, the, the little scenes are great. Like, hey, Farvo, what's that, you know, restaurant with the crazy <laughs> shit on the wall? Again, the quotability of this movie is not in question for the people that saw it growing up. I think mm-hmm. having watched it so many times, it's not as funny as it once was just because, yeah, the jokes are the same and everyone has quoted it to death. Like, mm-hmm. it's not as super absurd as something like an Anchorman or a Harold and Kumar. So the the madcap nature of some of their shenanigans doesn't bear on repeat viewings but i think it's a good time capsule of where we were at where yeah it's a huge drug bust that we've busted all this marijuana and the governor's like what's this for cocaine marijuana Then <laughs> why are we here it's like who cares i'm the governor i don't even care about marijuana yeah wasn't Vermont one of the first states to legalize?
0: Um, I feel or, like Colorado, Colorado and Washington were right at this. That's we le- uh,
1: sorry, uh, wasn't it one of the earliest states to adopt medical marijuana?
0: Uh, yeah, could be.
1: So like again, you know, also it's Vermont. Who cares about <laughs> Vermont?
0: <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have Ben and Jerry's if medical weed wasn't a thing. <laughs> Mark my words. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a movie that I, I think when I watched it in, you know, the early 2000s, it was such a movie for me about like, you know, these funny skits and like, hey, look at Farva. He's naked getting powdered sugar thrown on him.
1: It's delicious.
0: (laughs) It's still funny. But like now it's, it's, I think there is, you know, the plot that they put in there is a very let's not say very is it is an interesting fun kind of romp through you know tv cop drama where it's not like it's not so serious but you feel like it could happen it's
1: believable yeah yeah police corruption is believable (laughs) i think the most believable thing about this is uh yes you've exposed all this police corruption however the budget still doesn't have it to have a police station and a state trooper station in the same town Mm-hmm. It's like, so, you know, you're getting closed anyway. It's like for a while you're on this movie, you know, movie logic of like we do the big thing and then and then the the rec center is saved.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, got, oh, oh, you know, not to spoil the end, but oh, you're still getting shut down. Sorry.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, the it follows a very 80s movie. Like we got to save it from the big mean land developer. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but I, I, I like how they rescued it at the end. It's like, yeah, of course they just become the local cops. All the local cops were fired because they were providing protection <laughs> for a drug ring. <laughs> um,
0: those shifty
1: Canadians. those shifty Canadians, which is weird because in the sequel they become mounties.
0: Oh yeah.
1: So like the whole the whole bit of the sequel is like for for decades the the borders have actually been on the wrong the wrong lines. And this town that was in America is actually in Canada. (laughs) Sure. And so they get integrated into the RCMP, which I don't know. I think it would have been not that I saw it, but like just the, the trailers and whatnot of it seems like they were going with that. um, Again, the stereotype of Canadian policing and all that rather than like, it would have been funny. Like, Oh, there, here's these, you know, jokes of real cops getting integrated into Canadian Mounted Police. It's like, no, the Canadian Mounted Police are very serious. <laughs> like It could have been an interesting right. juxtaposition. Like, no, you're just terrible cops. We're real Canadian police. Maybe <laughs> yeah, that it... is the jokes that they they play, but it seemed more like it was going for the <laughs> cultural divide humor.
0: Uh, you'd have to see it to find out, and then you'd have to watch Super Troopers 2. <laughs>
1: came uh, striking while the iron is ice cold 17 or 18 years later. (laughs) Right. Literal kids have been born and grown up in the time span it took them to make a sequel. (laughs) Apparently the original idea for the sequel I read very briefly was like Super Troopers 76, where it was going to be a prequel with just all of Mm. them. They would have had like hippie hair and longer, bigger mustaches.
0: Yeah, and would have like played their dads basically.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which I I think that's a better way to go with it because then like you could make it feel like a Cheech and Chong movie. Yeah, true. Um kind of on that vein, a movie I watched that was going for a, a 70s aesthetic but it uh, doesn't quite hit the mark is uh Starsky and Hutch with uh, uh Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. Like the <laughs> yeah the very beginning of that movie is very dedicated to going for the aesthetic of the seventies. And it's like, like they even has like a film grain and the exposure on the, the film is like very seventies. And I don't know the, the movie would have been better had it stuck with that. um, As Mm -hmm. an aside. Um, Yeah. I think this movie just is, is very of the times that, It's it's nostalgic going back to it.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing that helps this is it's also like of its budget. Yeah, it's not had hmm. it had a three million dollar budget and so a lot of it is like character on character stuff. Like you don't have to prop yourself up with insane stunts like maybe in the way that like Bad Boys does, you know?
1: Oh yeah. Um
0: where I think a lot of the draw and the appeal and and you know kind of some spackle to fill in the holes of a plot. is like, we're going to blow 30 cars up. Won't this be fun?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, the uh, And then the story is also appropriate for the budget. It's not like we're stopping all of the weed coming through here. It's like um, <laughs> I guess going back to the discussion at the beginning, another stoner comedy would be like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Like That mm. is trying it's going beyond the budget it has in the scope of the actual film that would have been good. Like, I think Kevin Smith is aware, at least nowadays, that his, his best style of movies is smaller budget, smaller stories. And I think that Jay and Silent Bob straight back is him maybe coming to grips with that or not realizing it quite yet. And going too grand. Also, what was with the early 2000s in road trip style movies? I don't know. Because you have road trip, Euro trip... Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, Jay and Silent Bob strike back, um, and multiple others out there. Like, obviously, there is a genre that is the road movie. Where, right. You know, you go from vignette to vignette, which Harold and Kumar definitely does, um, mm-hmm. with like a threadbare plot of, you know, the the fr- <laughs> the the true road trip was the friends we made along the way.
0: Right. It's probably an easy writing device to be like What if we, you know, it's an easy writing device to, like, string sketches together, basically, where it's like, okay, we've got these sets or these skits that would make place to, like, make sense to take place in Princeton. We've got these things that would make sense, you know, to take place in a shack in the woods. How do we connect them? Road trip movie. So maybe that's it. I don't know, though.
1: Like the the bits come before the, the framework of the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. like i could definitely see that in super troopers with things like the cat game and repeater and um, yeah
0: those are like comedy sports warm-up exercises
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if that's what they, they they just they just spitballed um the bit until it worked and then made it service the plot
0: yeah and then it also works in the movie itself because hey that's what presumably bored highway cops would do it's like
1: I don't know. I don't think any, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, feel free to, uh, you know, hit us up at our at match, but pod at, uh, Twitter and Gmail or whatever it is. You'll do that. Uh, hit us up if, if you're wrong, but I don't think cops have that much fun. They're no. nowadays, they're too busy making thirst trap. TikToks.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think that cops actually do this, but like for the cops that they were, it's like, yeah, they make up, you know, games and say meow to jim gaffigan
1: <laughs>
0: or say chicken fucker to that actor's that parents that was his parents yeah that's his real life parents
1: <laughs> kind of as an aside again farva is such an unlikable character but in the other two big club uh broken lizard club dread and Beerfest, his character is one of the most likable characters um mm-hmm Actually, his character is the hero of Club Dread, which is a total role reversal. And one of those things like I I've watched it a few times and I just had to get it out, like out of my head and out of my mind that he he was the bad guy and hated in Mm -hmm. in the previous movie. It's like, (laughs) no, the actor isn't that person in real life.
0: Yeah, the other the other thing I remember from watching the director's commentary because again I watched this movie a lot on DVD.
1: Yeah,
0: um, one of the things they did in their you know having their small indie budget is they had to hire a uh, like having a small indie budget but still being a film and mm-hmm. like official film is they had to hire a stunt driver to do the opening scene where the, the Miata with even with the cop car. So like yeah. when the kids saying like you know. In another two seconds, I was about to, you know, ice those fools and the cop car just slams on the brakes. Yeah. The way they did that is they just had a radio in the car with them while he's reading that line and a radio in the cop car. Yeah, I figured. And they're telling the stunt driver like, okay, we just need you to jam on the brakes and then reverse really fast. And the stunt driver's just like, is that it? (laughs) Yeah, man. Okay. <laughs> sure, you don't put like a J
1: turn or like, you know, do a, a burnout turnaround or anything like that. <laughs> no, no, just hit your brakes in reverse.
0: Drive back in a straight line. So I think I think a lot of the way this movie still stands up in a way that like <clears throat> bigger budget movies don't is that like small indie film sensibility where it's like
1: yeah, because I mean, this movie had a budget of like three point six million, something like that. Very small, yeah, right around there. Uh, and it was a Fox Searchlight thing where they, you know, funded the movie and like I think that they used this budget very well because, like, yeah, I could see that movie being made for three million. It's shot competently and the the film quality and lighting quality, you know, makes sense for it all for you know a smaller production, and but nothing felt super cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did. It it felt more real because of it rather than like, look at this slick movie, like Harun Kumar, there are scenes that feel like a movie in there. And like the, when they ride the cheetah as a thing that (laughs) happens in that, it feels very fake on purpose. Like we are purposely Mm -hmm. making this look bad because of how ridiculous it is. Whereas, you know, Oh, we need, we need a guy to be in a costume (laughs) where he's having sex with a bear. Like they made that bear costume.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think like some of the bigger budget stuff you get that's in that same vein is like, this is the end where that's sort Mm -hmm. of like this movie, but big budget. And I don't think that that will be remembered as a cult classic in the way that super troopers is, you know,
1: I've I've not seen it, but basically that movie is, Oh, Hey, I recognize that guy. And they're playing against type. Basically it's like, it's it's just from gag to gag like (laughs) that. And you know,
0: kind of what Neil Patrick Harris is doing in Harold and Kumar, but everyone is doing that.
1: Maybe that's what killed the stoner comedy, is movies like that that were trying too hard, and then all the you know the epic movie, date movie, and all that, that were just making fun of things and sh- shotgunning jokes at the screen, mm-hmm. and not having a lot of substance or thought put behind it, like a Harold and Kumar, or mildly like a Super Troopers where there is a little bit more meat on the bones rather than just let's make a parody. And our parody is just terrible jokes.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it sounds like we're ready to go to final thoughts. Did you have anything else on uh super troopers? Um, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I'll end it with you boys like Mexico. Woo! <laughs> Still oh god every day in high school with that shit (laughs) anyway we'll be right back after the break to talk about our final thoughts we'll see you then welcome back uh we're gonna discuss our final thoughts uh i'm I'm real torn on which on which one I like better. So if you if you know, why don't you go first?
1: I think I'm in the same boat that I'm torn. Like I think the social commentary and uh, re- tearing down racial stereotypes of um, Haldun Kumar it makes it a more intelligent film. However, at the same time, it's it's de- it's. Vulgar humor, in the terms of the, not even language, but in the content of it, makes it really unappealing to watch some scenes, mm-hmm. and it's like it takes me out of it from like the overall narrative. Whereas Super Troopers easier to watch through the whole thing through, but we've watched it too many times, you and I, to enjoy it the same way anymore.
0: Yeah, I think I would land on. Harold and Kumar for me, Super Troopers for everyone else. Like, all I think I will, you know, we're recording this early, but when four twenty rolls around and I got to pick a movie to put on, like it's probably gonna be Harold and Kumar.
1: I, I if um, if I choose a four twenty movie, it's probably gonna be Pineapple Express. Actually, <laughs> right,
0: yeah, fair enough, fair enough. That movie is also really good, but yeah. Aaron Harold and Kumar, I think is, is a fun movie to watch like by yourself when you don't have to like justify or explain it to anyone. Yeah. If you want to fast forward through the battle shits, like you can.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's like things like that are just like not necessary and like gross (laughs) for gross sake. And I I think I agree with you. I would watch Harold and Kumar again alone. Uh, I would watch Super Troopers again when or if it's on and provided to me. Yeah, like if it's still on Netflix, I'd watch it on Netflix if it was suggested on 420. <laughs> yeah, where where can people watch these? The The Usual Suspects to rent, but it's not on anything streaming for free. So ah, what a bummer.
0: Yeah, I mean they're both like if we're looking at early 2000s films. I'm not even going to put qualifiers in. They're both fun movies mm-hmm. um, that I, you know, I think well deserve their their cult popularity. You know, they're not good enough to maybe be mainstream huge successes, and and they weren't. But I think
1: uh, Harold and Kumar was a bigger success. I mean, it spawned two sequels.
0: Uh, that is true. Oh. Um, Super Troopers is supposed to get a third. Really, tentatively titled, titled "Super Troopers Three: Winter Soldiers."
1: Wait, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a that's an amusing name at the very least. Um, I, I think that both of these films are very much of their times, and if you don't have a nostalgia for the period or don't have an appreciation for the way filmmaking was at the time and comedies were at the time because comedy has changed so much since when these films were made, because these films are very much scripted comedy that was written by people. Whereas now we're in a comedy cycle where it's like just improv for this scene and we'll get through Mm the, you know, the boilerplate of it later. And it's led to some really terrible comedy movies that are just, (laughs) Very flat. Something that was refreshing about both these films was that there are the scenes have a purpose for their blocking and their shot composition. <laughs> yeah. Whereas nowadays it's just camera A, camera B left back and forth for the most part.
0: Right. Where if you're gonna be able to capture, you know, some madcap improv session, it's like you need that flexibility. As I, opposed to these, where, where I'm sure like improv took place. like I think you get a group like Broken Lizard together. There's no way that some of this isn't like off the cuff.
1: Yeah, but I think that it might be like... It could be some, one of those things where it's off the cuff to come up with it, but then it's scripted down and workshopped to cut out the fat. Mm-hmm. Whereas I definitely think there's some fat to trim in Harold and Kumar.
0: Sure, yeah. Yeah, I, I know I know what you're saying about modern movies and and like, I think Rick and Morty is probably one of the worst for this.
1: Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, there's obviously the interstellar television episodes that are just improv.
0: Yeah, And it's like, oh boy.
1: Some of those things are really funny <laughs> and those are the ones you remember, like Gazorpazorp Field or, you know, <laughs> Jan Michael Vincent or <laughs> um, with, uh, Two Brothers. Like those bits are good but you mm-hmm. don't remember half the other ones or the plot of the rest of those episodes because there is an A plot. Um,
0: yeah. So they, so they say.
1: Uh, I think Rick and Morty is like, as an aside, like that's a stoner TV show. Um, mm-hmm. People think it's smarter than it is and it's really not all that smart. Um, I just can't, I just, uh, it just came to me what another kind of modern comedy with these sensibilities is, is 21 and 22 Jump Street. However, Mm, I think the reason that works is there's less improv but there still is very clear improv scenes where they're just kind of making jokes and riffing a little bit. Um, Yeah.
0: It's still possible to like sit down and write good comedy. Yeah.
1: But we're not getting films like Airplane anymore where there is (laughs) thoughts and effort put into every scene and a consideration for it and using typically dramatic actors in these funny roles rather than using comedians in a a comedic role like uh you know like 22 jump street and 21 jump street like jonah hill often plays comedy comedy roles and he's playing a comedy role again with a little Mm -hmm. more serious bent uh, as part of the satire right so going a little off track there um both <laughs> enjoyable films if you haven't seen them definitely give them a watch uh if you haven't seen them in a while i'd say harold kumar holds up a little bit better overall th- there's some like we've mentioned numerous times now moment to moment issues that can be alleviated but just fast forwarding through them um because you lose nothing from some of the more scatological humor <laughs> scenes being gone yeah
0: and there's, you know, there's some real joy in these movies, which I think is is nice to see. I talked a little bit last time about like, oh, what do I want to see in a movie now in this environment? You know, is it like something light and fun and or is it something serious that respects the Drama that we're all going through in our daily lives, and and this one, I'm I'm thinking of some other high school movies I might want to return to.
1: Yeah, want to want to let me know and the audience know what some of those might be.
0: No, because I haven't thought of them yet.
1: <laughs> oh, so shit! I just I just put you on blast and put you on the spot.
0: It's all good. Um, you know, Hot Fuzz would be one of them that came out around my high school yeah. days. Uh, you know, but. But seeing this and, and kind of escaping back in that nostalgia was, was pretty comforting. Let's see, what else do I have on DVD here? Spinal Tap was a movie I watched during high school, but <laughs> obviously not like a high school era movie for me. Right. I mean, not another teen movie, uh, Euro Trip. <laughs> I mean, it's trip, got America's like. ass
1: in it, and that ass <laughs> has a banana in it.
0: <laughs> it does. You know, they, these two movies definitely were... A, were a welcome watch for.
1: Uh, I, I think I'll just sum it up. These movies are of their time, and that type of movie isn't made anymore. And so, if you want to see how you know, not even that long ago, movies were different, you can watch these too.
0: Yeah. So I think with that, that'll do it for us. Um, thank you again so much for listening. If you want to reach out to us. Uh we are at matchcutpod at gmail.com or at matchcut on Twitter.
1: What do we got? So, uh, what do we got up next?
0: You know, that's an excellent question. And obviously because I'm so prepared. prepared <laughs> uh let's see. I think we I think we take a turn back to this. Oh nope, not yet. Um so next time we've got a couple movies that might elicit a little bit more nostalgia for people it's going to be the never ending story versus excalibur.
1: Oh yes. The never ending story.
0: And I've seen neither of them so those those will be first time watches for me.
1: I just assume that all my friends have never seen any of these movies. <laughs> um so there was a post on Reddit that uh, was, oh, uh, the top 100 movies of all time kind of thing. And I went through, I was like, I'd seen all but like seven of them.
0: Yeah, I'm sure I've seen like...
1: Seven of them.
0: <laughs> seven of them, yeah. I mean, realistically, probably like high teens, but probably. not very many. I've I've looked at those lists before.
1: That was just like one of those things like, oh, okay, I've watched a lot more of these famous movies than I even thought I did. <laughs>
0: But this is this is the other side of like the the other side of the nostalgia coin for me is like stuff I haven't seen, like the never ending story in Excalibur. When I talk to people who watch these movies in their childhood, I'm just like, yeah, it was good. And there, a lot of people are like, no, it's great. You just don't understand. It's like, yeah, I didn't watch it when I was seven. Sorry.
1: <laughs> well, just to get out of the way, like with the never ending story, like there's secondary nostalgia for that, I think, because of things like stranger things season three featuring it as a plot point
0: Mm -hmm. get Um, that get that second hit coming back around which i mean stranger things is literally
1: just distilled nostalgia for an era that the duffer brothers they're actually they're younger than both of us they never experienced it Hmm. interesting it's a distilled version of nostalgia which maybe we'll talk about next time
0: Yeah. So that is another one in the can. I've been Aaron.
1: I have always been Matt.
0: And we'll see you next time. Oh, bye.